0: Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 119 with my friend, Kate. Hi, guys. Happy dry January continuing. Uh, If you missed last week's episode, this dry January, every guest is sober. Uh, Now, what role that plays in their story varies and is different for each person. Um, Kate definitely talks a lot about it and her journey of you know, hitting, hitting bottom essentially. And I'm excited for you guys to hear it. It's a, it's a really great story and ends with her finding, uh, finding the fashion industry in her forties, which is, is a great story in itself. But without further ado, I'm going to let you get to the episode and I'll talk to you afterwards. All right. So enjoy episode 119 with my friend Kate.
1: You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Did you like to be my friend
0: Did you like to be my friend how are you doing
2: there's i'm good i'm good there's no video on this right like it's just yeah, audio no. recording
0: okay. no i don't record video
2: i just got off my treadmill and i was like oh god <laughs> Yeah, I I did. I put perfume on though, if that helps because
0: I I can smell you, of course.
2: Yeah. I didn't want to be stinky. (laughs) So I was like, well, I could do that much. Right.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. I I turned zoom on and I was like, I don't know what I look like right now. I've been, I've been sitting at this desk for, I, I guess all day.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, well, I, ju- I just uh, I had a midterm this morning, and I mean, I technically worked all day, and then yeah. I'm building this podcast episode, and I've been working on it for the last five hours. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> um, such is life. That's what happens when you put things off. Yeah. Well, hi. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for doing this. I uh, I normally start out these with how i know people and i know you through the sober curator which is something we both contribute to and share mutual friends through i suppose Mm -hmm. and that's uh that's really my only road into your life and and so we're gonna break that down and and learn a bit more Uh, but i okay Okay. on that note
2: (laughs) and do you swear
0: fuck yeah i swear okay okay non-stop i, I have I no filter okay
2: sometimes <laughs> trust me i've told my story before where swearing wasn't allowed and i was like and then i was like this is really hard and then i was you know trigger yeah. warning
1: anyway
0: yeah no i so. i have no filter i uh okay. like, look I'm at that fucking sure baby that either. fucking baby's adorable yeah no i i have no okay. no filter
2: where you're in where chicago
1: where michigan
0: I'm, from? I'm in near michigan? near detroit you're right. Sure. Okay. So it's cold. Okay. Um, it's cold, It's <laughs> but I'm gonna go back in time. You're born. Um, are you, did you grow up out in the Pacific Northwest?
2: Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, are we starting? Yeah. Okay. Let's start. All right. Let's go into it. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Pretty
0: much. Uh, well, well, were you born out there? I guess.
2: Yeah, actually, I was born in the same hospital. I got my first nursing job at St. Oh, Peter's Hospital fun. in Olympia, Washington. Yeah, yeah. I I thought I've gone places in my life, but it turns out I just <laughs> full circle it. Right, I didn't go anywhere.
0: That's about as full a circle as you can make. Uh,
2: I know. Right? Do you have any siblings? I do. I have. I'm the middle child. I have two Ooh. sisters, so there's three of us. Um, Yeah. And I am obviously an older and a younger and then I have step siblings, but, um, my sisters and I are very close. We're not too far apart in age.
0: I'm curious. Do you think you fit all of the stereotypes of the middle child? Are you the fixer? Are you, are you always sacrificing your own emotions to make sure everyone else is happy?
2: No, but I certainly did as a child. I was, um, I, I certainly was the middle child in the sense that I laid low and I just let like my older sibling have the older sibling issues. She went through everything first and was the, you know, had the drama and then there was the baby right. And the baby issues. And I was kind of on autopilot. It was like, I think my parents a little tiny bit forgot about me. <laughs> like when the report card came in, they weren't super curious to check mine. Yeah, You know, it was just, I, I, also, I was, really a good kid like i didn't have any issues so there was i felt like a lot of autonomy Just, that's good and it was it was the middle child too it was kind of like and eh, you know we've already done that and, and it's not exciting but yet she's not the baby we know she's going to get the thing done whatever it is right and yeah. so go what Stay uh
0: <laughs> what do your parents do when you're growing up
2: uh well they're divorced
0: um when
2: mom, how old were you when they divorced um I think I was about 12 okay so yeah they were married for quite a while so they were I think my parents were married for about 15 16 years so I think I was around 12 when I got a divorce my mom is a nurse Okay. um and she, and my dad my biological dad is a fishing guide actually
0: he, he was a fishing guide when you were a kid too
2: no he oh. was working in the woods when i was a kid um this was kind of a pipe dream something he wanted to do when he didn't have to worry about raising young kids can I,
0: I can i ask you to clarify the sentence working in the woods
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a Pacific Northwest term. I guess when you when you say that around here, people just kind of go, "Oh, okay, we know what that means." Got it. Logging, falling timber. Okay. um, And I'm not the expert on explaining what this is because I really don't, you know. But it's like the dudes that wear the hickory shirts and the, you know, they have the chainsaw (laughs) over the shoulder. Yeah. I mean, they they're usually falling timber and like clearing areas, and it's manual labor. You know, it's something I think my dad learned when he was like 12 or 14 and that was his job. I mean, so we moved all the time. We moved, I lived, I, I lived in Oregon. Um, I lived in Alaska. I think I went to like, gosh, 10 different grade school, middle oh, wow. schools. Like I was that kid that kept moving because we moved where the work was for yeah. my dad.
0: So your mom wasn't and nursing so- at that time. I'm assuming
2: She was, she would work as a nurse on and off because she could work nights here and there, but, uh, she raised us mostly at home uh, and my dad would, cause he just took whatever job. And so I went to kindergarten in Alaska and then I was back in Mm -hmm. Oregon and back in Alaska. And like, I moved as much as a kid whose parents were like in the military, you know, and I think that lends to some, some extroversion, you know, as an adult, because you're always the new kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, especially when you get into like middle school, that's some formative years. And I imagine, I I imagine that moving stops right when your parents divorce. Is that a correct? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That stopped, I think around eighth or ninth grade, eighth grade. Yeah, I can't remember all that. uh, Around eighth grade is when we settled in and I went to a small high school in Washington here. Um, My parents both remarried fairly quickly. So um, they, they kind of got on with their lives. My mom remarried a PA, so a physician's assistant. Um, so someone working in a medical facility that she knew um, someone, you know, it was, it was like a complete opposite of my, you know, of my father. You're right. You know, we're not looking at a, a brawny studly man who's coming home with dirt all over and sweat. We're looking at, you know, a, a, a professional, someone who wears a lab coat and, Um, Went to PA school and all the things. So, uh, so my parents were both in the medical field, my mom and my stepdad when I was going through middle school or the end of middle school and high school. And they, of course, basically raised me because, you know, as girls, we lived with our mom and didn't see much of my, of my dad after that.
0: there wasn't like a every other weekend sort of custody or anything a
2: little for a little while but my dad ended up taking work in Alaska uh where the logging industry was really um just more prevalent and uh worked for a Native American company up there almost all the way through until I was done with high school so I I didn't see him as much
0: what uh, do you, like, have memories of living in Alaska? Was it, like, yeah. <laughs> what is that like as a kid? I mean, did I think of Alaska, obviously, as, like, the great outdoors, you know, like, no one yeah. for miles and miles except for grizzly bears. So, like, what is yeah. that? it
2: was kind of like that. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I lived in a, in what you call a logging camp, so we were the families of the, the crew that came in to fall timber in the area. And so it was very remote. Yeah. Um, there were grizzly bears in our backyard. It was heavy, heavy snow. Um, we lived in these small, small towns where the groceries had to be brought in on a float plane, you know, because there was no grocery stores. So it was like oh. very, yeah. Yeah. And how, I, and I,
0: how long did you I, live I, there? Like what, what's the longest stint you had to live there as a kid?
2: a school year i want to say and a, and then back for another summer a different time um like i said we moved a lot
0: that's got to be a small a school i would imagine yes it was
2: me and one other kid
0: oh jesus what how do you for even my, is that my, even called a school is
2: that... well well, for, for my grade there was me and one kid and yeah. then the rest of the grades clump were clumped together and there was maybe like seven of us total
0: wow yeah that's wild
2: That was like kindergarten-ish, yeah.
0: And what's the, I I forgot to ask this, but what's the age difference between you and your sisters?
2: My older sister is two years older than me. Okay. So we're like, we were raised basically like twins. Um, And then my baby sister is five years. Okay. So seven years. So yeah, pretty close. And then there's the baby who was five years younger.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a bigger gap. Um, Yeah, a
2: little bigger, yeah.
0: So... Can you tell me like what that dynamic looked like when your parents divorced? Like, cause you said both of them remarried quickly. Like, was it something that was kind of already happening once they were divorced? They were like, all right, let's start our own thing. Or what does that look like?
2: Well, as a kid, it seemed really quick. It might've been, you know, a year or two of dating for each of them. Yeah. Um, you know, is it, you know, when you're a kid, things are very different, but yeah, they weren't they weren't single parents for very long. I will say that, you know, I I don't remember them each of individually being single. Um, but it was, it was really hard. It was really hard. Um, you know, being that adolescent age, 12, 13 ish, and your parents split up and they were like that couple that broke up and got back together. And there was a lot of drama. There was a lot of drama in their divorce, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I, you guys really, you and your sisters kind of span the ages there of yeah. like what it's like for each kind of age for parents to get divorced. Yeah. Your youngest was would about seven yeah. and then you were 12, yeah. your sisters yeah. in high school and like yeah. <laughs> deal juggling yeah. and, that. And
2: girls, I mean, yeah. girls, you know, they go through this, they mature faster and they're, you know, just they're it's hard because yeah. well, all these emotions. And so it was hard. Yeah, for sure. It was really hard at the time.
0: Did it end up because you guys were all girls? Did, was there like an extra camaraderie with your mom once that happened? Yeah. yeah,
2: I would say so. Yeah, girls have a tendency to be a bit closer just to their mom.
0: Yeah,
2: most girls, I would say, but my but also because my dad had to be gone for work. You know, we didn't the every other weekend thing didn't last very long. Yeah, and we immediately went to like every couple summers, and you know, we'd see them.
0: Okay. And what is what does that look like outside of your family like your social life and stuff getting into high school and teenage years?
2: He was gone. He was well, gone. Well, not with
0: him, just you generally. <laughs> were you a were you what a social person? Like yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, That's very <laughs> much so. Yeah, I was um really really athletic. I did lots of sport, like any any sport there was, any season. I wasn't necessarily good at anything, but I you know i wasn't like the star but right. i was an athletic kid like i loved it all i was very what was drew you to that
0: did you have athletic parents what why why, why um, sports
2: yeah just it just was fun i mean i was a tomboy and um probably the biggest tomboy of my of the three of us sisters yeah. and loved it all basketball softball volleyball I ran track in high school. Um, I was also a cheerleader in high school. I just loved being active yeah. and the, and, and living in smaller communities, um, there wasn't a whole lot else to do. You know, we didn't have big drama clubs or Spanish clubs or, you yeah. know, multicultural, the arts that, you know, it was, You know, you're going to join the track team or you're just going to sit on your ass and do nothing. So, of course, I'm going to, you know, learn how to run hurdles.
0: I personally prefer sitting on my ass and doing nothing, but that's that's all right.
2: (laughs) No, I was the busy kid. Super busy.
0: Did you do you think you did that to stay out of the house or did you do that just like to occupy your time? Like, have you ever tried to dissect? Okay. no, I don't (laughs)
2: look too deep in it. My friends were all in it. Both of my best friends in high school ended up playing Um, College basketball, women's basketball. So they were on that trajectory since their freshman year to, you know, make it into a you know a college team. And um, so I think just having friends that were athletes, that uh, you know we lived in the gym, we were weight training, we were shooting hoops, we were practicing for whatever. We were running. My friends and I would run on the weekends. We were kind of dorks. I mean, let's just face it. You know, we were dorks. We were prudes. We we didn't party. We didn't, you know, our life was sports and getting good grades so we could get into colleges and, you know, and go was, on with our lives.
0: Was college always something on the radar when you were growing up? For sure. Or was yeah. that like an expectation?
2: It wasn't from my parents. Like I said, they were pretty preoccupied with their lives and busy and remarrying. And, you know, you have multiple siblings and one kid's always going felt like there was a hundred of us you
1: know like I felt like
2: my parents had a hundred kids um step kids and just shit all over the place busy pets and busy and so I kind of felt like if I didn't pursue my own path of academia and be very very career driven and just very driven I could kind of get lost in the sauce and um so I just stayed super focused I I knew from a young age that I was going to go to college and get out on my own and do my own thing. I mean, I was very, very driven.
0: Yeah. It sounds like maybe you kind of knew you had to do that because no one else was going to make you do it. Right. You had to kind of do that for yourself because no one else is going to force you to do it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: Neither of my sisters went to college.
0: So what was, what's the college? Where do you end up going?
2: Well, I wanted to go to law school, but. Um, I also had to pay for it as I went. I didn't have parents that, you know, flew me around to look at different colleges and,
1: yeah. you know,
2: escort me along into journeying into adulthood. They, it's not that I had bad parents, I had wonderful parents. that just weren't capable at the time. And so um, I um, I went to, uh, started out in a community college okay. and, I worked and paid for every semester, every all my books, you know, just kept going through. I moved in with my grandparents because they lived close to a really good community college in Olympia that okay. um, was a, a large community college with lots to offer, and I realized that I was super good at science in high school and that a, probably a good trajectory for me would be to get into nursing so that I could... Um, do it all at essentially a community college level and work and pay and work and pay.
0: No interest in student loans?
2: (laughs) Well, I ended up getting a student loan for my bachelor's program, but that was after I had become an RN because you don't need a four-year degree to to become a registered nurse, but it's nice to have. So I did end up going back and um, paying for my own bachelor's program after I had been an RN for about five years.
0: Okay, so you go right yeah. from high school to community college, become a nurse, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? I
2: actually got married too. I got married when I was like throw that
0: in there, I sure. <laughs> I yeah,
2: it just I don't know. I think I was so incredibly driven to just become. You know,
0: were you um, like striving to become some version of like an adult that you just told yeah. yourself that you okay
2: Yep. Yeah. I was that kid that looked around and thought, okay, I'm going to be this when I grow up and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And um, I met this boy in speech 101 and he was a little older than me and he wanted, he proposed. I mean, and now I look back and I'm like, who does that? Right. <laughs> Unless they accidentally like impregnate. Everyone thought I was pregnant. Nope. I was just getting married. And um,
0: how so old were I you when you got married? got married?
2: I was like, Oh gosh, almost i was quite 21 yet i was 20
0: couldn't even drink and at me, your wedding
2: no no and i didn't i wouldn't have anyway i was too busy with my sports and my career i was so focused on getting into nursing school which is actually incredibly challenging yeah um the prerequisites are really hard uh and it's and it was really really competitive um back then it, it still is but there there there's opportunities for nursing students now to do bits and pieces of it online and to do some hybrid training and they're a little more forgiving and they try because there's such a shortage of nurses
1: yeah.
2: that but you know you had to get super high grades to get in it was really competitive and then once you got in anything less than a 75 percent was a fail and so there you could i mean because who wants a nurse that you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. fails half the curriculum the slides by right yeah, I feel nobody like I've that. had
0: doctors that just just that. made it
2: <laughs> nope, nope nobody wants that so yeah. yeah it was hard but yeah got married and um bought my first house when we were like I was so young everything was just like I was just like a pile driver it was just like you know go go go
1: like
0: this is the- when does all that break down? Cause I imagine at some point yeah. that hits yeah. a wall, especially yeah. cause it, and, and correct me, but it sounds like it's a, the mentality that we all kind of trick ourselves in where it's just like, uh, once I reach this, I'll be happy. Once I reach this, I'll be happy once. Yeah. And then, but you're checking all these boxes in like super speed order. So then yeah. at some point there's no more boxes to check. Right. So what happens right. at that point?
2: Yeah. So, about, oh gosh, at about 25-ish, I think I was in my mid-20s, so about, about 25, um, I had already been working as a registered nurse. I worked on a, a cardiac step-down unit. So, of course, I chose the hardest You know, ICU step-down. I went right in for the big guns. I did a residency program there um, and rhythm analysis courses and all the things so that I could be this cardiac nurse. Cause I couldn't do any, you know, I had to start with the top.
0: Did you enjoy and, being uh, around all that? Like high pace trauma type yeah, environment?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I did. I, I loved it. I did it. My first job, I worked on an ICU step down unit for seven years. Um, it was, and it was a wonderful heart program uh, here in Olympia. I worked there. Yeah. And so somewhere in my mid twenties, um I learned to socially drink but it was like I was the dork who my friends had to like show me how to order a glass of wine because I didn't know yeah. I never drank in high school never I mean I literally never drank in high school or college or whatever
0: was there anyone in your family that drank
2: my dad drank um my sisters kind of dabbled in party, but not a lot um
0: was your dad like the person really? you're like I don't want to do that like you looked at it. No, okay. no.
2: Cause he was never out of control or ever.
0: You just no. thought it was something that would take you off your course.
2: Yeah, really. I really did. I, okay. I, I looked at other kids in high school who did that kind of stuff and thought, mm, well, I'm not going to end up in a trailer with seven kids. So no, that's not going to be
0: me. <laughs> fair enough.
2: Right. Like I was so, I, I think part of it, because I lived, I lived, I moved so much and lived in such small, somewhat impoverished communities. Yeah that i looked around and thought hell no you know i'm not gonna i'm not going out like this yeah like hello trailer park and broke as shit and you know nobody can have two nickels to rub together no no way dude not me not going out like that
0: and so you didn't and then you
2: (laughs) so i didn't boom boom boom
0: (laughs) school school husband uh work and then, so yeah. you said you started socially drinking just out. out I started about. socially
2: drinking um, in my twenties, late twenties, and um, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was okay at first, but like I worked night shift, and so three nights a week I was at the hospital. Um, you know, we. I was really, really young, and comparatively to my friends who were nurses, they were. You know, I was maybe twenty five and they were 40. Um, and so just, I don't, I don't remember it being a huge problem for a while. Um, but I think for someone as high strung as I was and am, you know, now that I'm sober, I'm a back sort of going back to who I really am. I think for me, it was just, it was a total anxiety relief to learn to have a few glasses of wine and like set it Set the world down for a minute, yeah. you know, because I didn't, I didn't know how to do that. I had to keep going, keep pushing, keep, you know. And I look at twenty-five-year-old girls now, and I think, oh my god! When I was twenty-five, I was, I took the world on my shoulders. You know, I was the charge nurse of those ICU step-down units and running the show. You know, telling, doing all the things, and we were the unit that um, all the people had the codes and it was all the like the blood and the cardiac, I mean, everybody died. And, you know, to look back on that now I can kind of forgive myself
0: for
2: not quite, you know, so I was,
0: well, what, what I'm curious, and I, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but what's the worst case scenario in your head at that point of like, like silence right of stopping and like taking a deep breath and in a quiet room like does that sound like the worst
2: possible it was yeah i just didn't know how okay i don't know that's just how i was wired um i had such a fear of failure of of um and such an independent uh, force inside me that was i gotta do it you know I, i gotta I don't know. I, I watched my mom struggle a lot through the divorce and I didn't want to end up like some woman who had a bunch of kids and like the husband leaves and you're stuck and you, you know, my mom was a nurse, but she was an LPN, which is a licensed practical nurse. And it's quite a significant pay difference, right? Because it's a, it's a technical degree and it's only one year and it, the pay is just dramatically different. Yeah. So she didn't make the money that I did, you know, as a, as a young woman to become a registered nurse and, you know, really go the levels that I was going, you make a pretty decent living right away. Yeah. So I was making very good money, very young, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. I was just curious about the, uh, like, if you ever thought about what that, cause it almost sounds like a I'm cautious to use the word like fear but like fear of stopping. Yeah,
2: it you know? was. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that now as I look back, right? Yeah. The hindsight that I have now. Uh but I didn't at the time. I just thought I was a high achiever. Yeah. And I wanted to just keep pushing. And um you know, and and that worked for a while until You know, and all of this I can say is hindsight, but until I I think what happened to me in my mid-20s was I started leaning on alcohol more and more to relax. The pressure started mounting more and more. And I took home a considerable amount of PTSD from the hospital with no no debrief, no, um, you know, it was like, I went home and pretended it never happened right and that every night just constantly and um seven years right for a young person i wouldn't recommend doing what i did for seven years right <laughs> yeah. like it's it just you know when you're becoming a young adult and becoming a woman i would never recommend jumping into a career like that and you know my husband is in, was in the army for 20 years, and we often talk about coming home with PTSD when you're young like that. But the difference for nurses is that you you go and play nurse, and then you come home and you have to forget that it ever happened every single day, right? Yeah. There's no battlefield, and then you come home and you get a month or a year off work, and yeah. you know, like in the army. And so there's that constant flipping of gut wrenching life saving things back to trying to be normal and a normal 25 year old which what is that right I didn't even know what that was
0: well I imagine discovering alcohol that late too you were like I don't know how to like relax and stop but like this helps me do that so this is pretty cool and (laughs) I
2: was a shitty drinker right like I didn't ever learn like you know kids learn how to drink after time (laughs) You know, you chug beers, you throw up, you do the keg stand. I never did any of that. So my first introduction to alcohol, I I was like behind everybody, you know. Um, I didn't know, I didn't understand the power that alcohol can have. And I, I went into it pretty naive. Mm -hmm. Um, So by the time I was, so my husband and I ended up separating. And by the time I was in my, I was I think I was 30, close to 30 years old. I was drinking pretty heavily. Um, and I wanted to leave nursing and go into pharmaceutical sales.
1: Okay.
2: Um, so I left bedside nursing. Cause I had been an RN by that time for like freaking eight or nine years. Yeah. Right. And I'm not even 30.
0: Pharma and reps so, are making a bunch of money back then too, right?
2: <laughs> a bunch of money. And so, and it was glamorous. Yeah. You know, it was travel and dinners out. And so I got a job with a pharmaceutical company and um, packed up and moved to Portland and I was 30 and single and drunk <laughs> selling drugs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. In case you're wondering at what point my story goes downhill, it's now. <laughs>
0: Um, no. Is this when you and your husband separated? That's is that your current husband? No, okay. that was my first. Husband. So you guys did you divorce then?
2: We divorced when I was not before I was thirty years old.
0: Okay. Yeah. What? What? I mean, and we don't have to venture there if you don't want to talk about. I'm just curious, like what? What did that look like? Was that directly related to drinking, or was that just?
2: No, that was just because I was. I married him when I was. 20 years old. Yeah. And by 25, I was somewhat of a person, an adult by 30. I was like, who is this person? I would never have married you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were kids.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he, well, you're, you're
2: he's a wonderful guy. Frontal lobe he isn't even wonderful.
0: done until you're 25. So
2: <laughs> exactly. He's, he's to this day, a wonderful human being, um, a, a lovely man. And he remarried like years and years and years ago, but okay, super good guy. It was nothing on him. It was just, I just, I didn't know yeah it was a dumb you know you're good <laughs> I was also really curious I was yeah. really curious because he was my first love and my first you know the first time I had sex yeah. and and so here I am 25 and I'm like this sort of dodo bird you know I'm like yeah a, so worldly in some ways but yet so dumb in others and um I was really curious about men. He was curious about being single.
0: I was also curious about men around the 20s sometimes. Um, But (laughs) I'm curious about uh, the, like, getting divorced. Was there, did you carry any shame associated with that? Just given because your family and.
2: Oh, yeah. I, because I broke his heart. I mean, I know I did. He was one of those good old Southern boys who was never going to get a divorce and was really such a lovely guy, lovely guy. And I, I did break his heart. I know that. And I felt terrible, Yeah. but I also knew that I had to do it in order for me to ever have a life of my own and figure out yeah. what I wanted to you know.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that question is like mostly projection because you know, my parents divorced when I was four and So, like, even though I've been married now for eight years, been together for, like, 16, uh, there's still, like, this, like, you can't get divorced. You're just going to be just like your parents if you get divorced. Like, there's there's that little narrative we tell ourselves if we're, like, children of divorce. So I was just curious if that uh, played a role at all, like, after that happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there was definitely that piece. I mean, my sister, my older sister is... Both my sisters are married to their first husbands and really long, continuous marriages, and I just
1: wasn't. Yeah. They,
0: yeah, but were they twenty when they started when they got married? Um, <sighs> no. See. Uh, well, my older sister was
2: quite young, yeah, but she's still married. I don't
0: know. Yeah. It's a sham, Kate. It's a sham. I
1: know, uh, dude. <laughs> God.
0: So tell me about single Portland pharma sales what what is it or or, or yeah Portland right Oregon yeah what is so what does so that I, look like
2: I got a high-rise apartment on the 11th floor nice. of a swanky building nice and um got a company car and um, I just started going out in the city you know meeting people I traveled a lot uh, flight travel and windshield time so. A lot of airports, a lot of conventions, um, you know, and, you know, you traveled for training and um, just a lot. So I was constantly going out, lots of happy hours, lots of, and I was exploring the city and meeting lots of new people and dating and having a lot of fun, um, dressing up a lot, you know, I think I wore every Was this
0: mid-2000s? when I'm trying to think of like what Portland was like at the time. (laughs) Yeah, it was.
2: It was. It was.
0: There's big hipster patches everywhere.
2: It was like 2005, I want to say, somewhere. 2000, (laughs) I don't know, seven or eight, maybe closer to 10. I can't remember. But I lived there for close to five years, I think. I ended up working for two different pharmaceutical companies during that time. I...
0: You guys, dry January is up on us. You know what else is dry? Bravus's new dry hopped IPA. It's technically not new, and it's technically a double IPA, but it's delicious. No technicalities involved. Head over to Braavis.com, bravus.com, b-r-a-v-u-s.com/slash/friendrequest, or use code friendrequest at checkout and save 10% on all your non-alcoholic beers. CBD waters, whatever floats your fricking boat helps you through dry January. All right. Head over there. com. use code friendrequest at checkout and you can save 10% on your order. Go sip it up. Sip it up. Okay. Back to the show. And yeah,
2: lots of dating, lots of drinking and my drinking just got worse and worse and worse. And, um, and I was lonely, you know. I yeah. I was away from my my sisters. I was away. From, I I wasn't married. I, you know, was essentially a small town girl. And I, I mean, Portland's not a huge city, but it is when you're from a small town. Yeah. And um, I was lonely, you know. I was meeting people, but lonely. Yeah. And I didn't even have so much as like a pet. So some days I would fly out and fly back and you know, your car's leaving for you at the airport, no one else, you know, it's just, a, you come home to an empty apartment,
1: yeah. you
0: know,
2: you travel alone, you come home alone. It was, it was hard.
0: Yeah. That, that definitely stacks up after, after a while. Yeah. And you can't get a pet because you travel so much. No, like, you
2: can't. You travel. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So what's, I mean, how does that period end? You said you work for him for five years. What happens after that?
2: Um, And during that time, I met someone, um, I met a man that I ended up moving in with and, um, gosh, my drinking was pretty bad, but it was, it was really like disguised in, um, mommy wine, like all the moms drank and we were, you know, we lived in a really nice upscale community. And so there was a lot of, you know, you drink during your kid's lacrosse game and you drink at halftime during your kid's basketball game. And all the parents have beach houses and you go away to a beach retreat while your kids have a basketball tournament. You know, it was like they're, I think his boys want to be in middle school. So we, we drank with the parents and I drank with the moms. And I oh, is this was this the
0: person you're, you moved in with has kids at this In point? Portland, right, yeah. Got it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little older than me. And um, my drinking was pretty darn bad.
0: Did you uh, think I, it I, was at the time?
2: I knew deep in my gut it was bad. Okay. Um, but I was functioning, right? Yeah. I was I had this high profile job and and everybody around me seemed to be drinking that much too. You know, a lot of stay at home moms yeah. who drank who drank during the kids' games. Now I look back and I'm like, God, I can't imagine like tailgating at a middle school football game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's, it's mom, wine culture is real, man. It's, it's, but we
2: were doing it, man. We were doing it Saturday morning football practice. Yeah. Football, like making you get up. So yeah, lots of that in that community. I've um, gone, I've yeah.
0: gone to my nephew's soccer game and seen some, seen yeah. some shit in the morning.
2: <laughs> exactly. And all the parents got pretty shitty, you yeah. know, at after the games, we were tailgating. We were, you know, our excuse to, to get crazy and, um, yep. Yeah. So I drank really heavily during that time. And I think ultimately it was the demise of that relationship for sure. Okay.
1: Um,
2: when that relationship ended, I was devastated. And I, because I didn't, I sort of lost my little community,
1: Yeah.
2: you know, um, I, I had to move out of the house, his house, uh, which was a huge home. And I had to move into like my own little condo and I had no access to the kids. And I was not part of that mommy group anymore. And, I was really, really lonely and I drank really heavy. Um, and around the time around, well, 2014 was, yeah, I got a DUI. So that would have been, yeah. So it would have been like 2012 ish or so when I was living with him, 2013 start of 2014, I got a DUI. Okay. And I knew that I couldn't work in pharmaceuticals anymore because I had a leased company car.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So
2: I had to bow out of that job. I had to, um, I had to move back from Oregon to Olympia, Washington, where I had a nursing license. Luckily I had a nursing license to fall back on,
1: Yeah.
2: but essentially I had to come home because it was time to find people in the community that, Knew me when I was a nurse here and look for nursing work yeah. um, in 2014 because I had just gotten DUI and I was devastated. What you did... know? I, Go ahead. I was pulled over on my way home from a concert at the Crystal Ballroom in Portland and I was speeding and I blew like a, something ridiculous over the limit, um, Point, point two something. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And I was really thin. I mean, I was underweight during that time. And so I just wasn't. And I remember <laughs> I was covered in glitter because I had gone to a concert, you know, wearing high heels sparkly. And I'm drunk as shit. And I'm telling the officer, like, don't you have anything better to do? Like, come on. I mean, it's three in the morning. And here's this dumb chick who's covered in glitter who reeks of alcohol. Like, of course you're going to arrest her, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Like you know, it's just stupid. So I, and I, you know, I'm a 40 I mean, at this time. I think I'm 37, 36. But yeah. 2014 got into UI and that really changed everything.
0: Did you, I mean, what other than like the obvious changes of you had to leave your job, go back to Olympia, yeah. go back. Like what else changed?
2: My drinking got worse.
0: Okay. Um,
2: got, it got way worse
0: what is that I mean what how does that play out back back home
2: shame so much shame so much shame because I was the only one in my family to ever get a DUI or get in trouble you know my family is pretty pretty straight laced and um, were you
0: just honest about the whole thing with your family then Like, Hey, got a DUI, quit my job, moved to, yeah.
2: I had to. I mean, I I would have lied a bunch. (laughs) No, there was no lying. I mean, I had to, you know, I had to, I had no company car. I had to stay with my parents for a while. And then I ended up moving into a house that they, um, well, I need to back up because something very pivotal happened around the time that I, um, So when I was, when I was talking about the fact that I was working in my 20s at the hospital and I was a nurse and dealing with a lot of PTSD, my stepdad, who was a PA died of cancer Oh, and he was 45. Wow. So, and I felt really horrible that I, I think I felt horrible. It wasn't me. Um, Because it is such a young person and such a good, he was an amazing medical practitioner, very, very smart, very kind. He developed uh, kidney cancer and passed away like almost immediately. So, and I'm maybe, you know, I'm in my 20s, I think I'm 20 years old or whatever. So that also happened that was really hard. And I'm not gonna say in any stretch of the imagination that I became an alcoholic because of that. Yeah but I do remember that hitting my family like a ton of bricks during that time.
0: Can we go back to you saying you thought it should have been you?
2: Yeah. I just have this feeling like, um, and maybe that was part of that person that I was that took the world on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, I hated seeing how sick he was in the hospital and the surgeries and the, I, I felt so terrible for him. watching him deteriorate like that as such a young person. And my baby sister was very, very close to him because he basically raised her from when she was six or seven years old. So that was basically her dad. And um, I just... I felt like I wanted to trade places. Like it would have made everything so much easier for my family if I would have traded places. Because then my little sister would have still had a dad, my mom still would have had a husband. You know, like it wouldn't have upset up the apple cart as much.
0: I mean, I I don't know your family, but I would, I, I would beg to differ. If the, I think if your mom's that's daughter, died. yeah, I'm just. Yeah. I, yeah, is that reflective of? the value or lack thereof that you assign to yourself like this person's worth more than I am like
2: I it wasn't really that I didn't think I was worth it I just thought I could take one for the team
0: one for you the know? team dying
2: <laughs> I just felt like that I really did it was kind of weird um you know I don't know I don't know what I was thinking back then but so, yeah so by the time I'm heavy into my drinking. Um, my mom had remarried.
0: Oh, again. Okay.
2: And she remarried to a physician. And so I'm a nurse. I get a DUI coming home and telling them I got a DUI and I'm in big trouble. You know, you just, I just felt so humiliated. Um, and, um, I had to tell everybody and, but I didn't stop drinking. It just, the shame just compiled. I felt like the biggest failure in the world and I I was buried in shame. Like I just wanted it to be over. I was so depressed, yeah, basically suicidal. I mean, you know, I wanted it to be over. I was like, this sucks, life sucks, I suck. I mean, and I felt like I had ruined it all. And so, um, and in a sense I did, whatever that life was, I kind of burned to the ground, you know? Yeah. I could never work in pharmaceuticals again.
0: So did you end up finding another nursing job back, back home? And
2: I did. Yep. I kind of like groveled my way into some shit jobs. Cause I hadn't worked as a nurse in about five years, you know, worked on yeah. the floor. I still kept my RN license, but, um, so yeah, I got back into nursing and, um, my drinking was so bad. So bad. I just, I was like, uh, you know, I had gone to the emergency room a couple of times, with alcohol poisoning. Oh, wow. Like I was this, you know, I think I went from being such a perfectionist and a high achiever to like an all or nothing mentality. Like if I failed, then I might as well just burn it to the ground. Yeah. You know,
0: well, then I guess the, the, the inevitable question is, you know, DUI ER with alcohol poisoning. What's the, what's the final nail in the coffin there?
2: I had, I went so low. I mean, my bottom was just, it just kept going, and I, I was so stubborn and I kept drinking and I was so, I got, I just was so sick all the time. Um, I, I ended up, um, getting, well, I met my, my now husband and we, um, got married because that's what you do when you're a raging alcoholic. Um, and I tried to hold it together. I mean, I, I would go through bouts where I was able to hold it together and quit drinking for like a few weeks. And I was able to get good jobs and kind of hold it together, you know, for, for bits of time.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I would tell myself, I'm not going to drink. And, you know, I tell my, my new husband, you know, uh, I'm not going to drink. I, you know, I'm doing so good. and um, And then I... Oh, God, I haven't told this story in a while, actually, how it happened. Oh, I was working. Oh, God, this is the worst job ever. I was working home health. Okay. And I was super, super proud of myself because I had gone 30 days without drinking. And I was like, I'm winning at life. And I was doing really good at home health, driving out to see people, you know, you are checking on that. Da, da, da. My husband and I were, you know, married and things were going fairly well. Um, but the caveat was that in order to, uh, not drink alcohol, I had started smoking marijuana because that was helping me go to sleep at night. Yeah. No, I mean, as a, as a person who really never smoked in my whole life, like I just learned to smoke marijuana, like in my late thirties when it became legal in Washington, yeah. I'm like, I can smoke a little of this, but it's not okay for nurses, right? It's not federally legal. Yeah. So like nurses, firefighters, you're not supposed to smoke marijuana. Yeah. So that was the caveat was that I had been smoking some marijuana at night. And, um, so I'm working in this home health job. I'm white knuckling, trying to stay sober.
0: Are you act- So really- you're actively like trying to stay sober. Are you actually in a program yeah. or anything?
2: No, I wasn't in okay. any kind of program. I just was trying to quit. I didn't even okay. know about any recovery programs. Yeah, um, I just was white knuckling my own, you know, I was thinking, oh, I, I know better. I can do this. I can quit. And, um, I, When I'm working in home health, then (laughs) this is embarrassing, but I, I got in a car accident while I was going out to see a client. And because it was a job related incident, my work wanted to do a drug test because they had to do a whole big incident report. So I'm panicking thinking that I'm going to pop hot for marijuana. Right. And I keep saying marijuana, like a fucking 90 year old, because I don't (laughs) even know the cool term for it. Because that's how little I know about it, right? Yeah. Weed, joint, hash, whatever people say. I, I don't know. Grass. Is grass. What do people say? Anyway. But at one point I was saying dope. And people were like, don't say you smoke dope. That's not the same thing. Um, so I was afraid of THC. That's what I call it because I'm a nerd. Um, I was afraid I was going to get a test positive for it. So I did this ingenious thing. Very genius. of bringing in fake urine. give them a urine sample uh i did not have a whizinator i've heard of those but i went to one of those little smoke shops down the road and i said hey i need some fake pee," and they sold it to me and it was just this little package thing that you warm up and you know anyway but i I dropped it on the floor in front of the tester (laughs) so so i got reported to the nursing commission for uh tampering with the drug screen oh no and when you're a nurse and you do something like that, it is a big effing deal.
1: Yeah.
2: And so I got in big trouble by the nursing commission. And um, I got, you know, a <clears throat> I got pulled from, I fired from my job. I got pulled from the field. I couldn't ever, I couldn't work as a nurse. I was like red labeled until I um, went to court and proved all this shit. And it was this big mess. And, you know, I'm running out of, I'm running out of chances here. Right. Like I'm, I've just, by then I, everybody around me knows I have a drinking problem and um, I know I have a drinking problem. And then this happens and it's like, okay, you're, you're running out of chances here. Um, And so, yeah. So I got put in a program for nurses with substance use issues, which in a million years, I never thought that would be me. It's a
0: very specific program.
2: Yeah, they actually have programs for medical people that have substance use issues. So, if you Makes sense. Are, I mean,
0: you're always around everything. So,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you are um if you are a physician or a nurse or a dentist or <clears throat> anything with a medical designation, counselor even. Yeah. And you have um and let's say you get a DUI, that goes reported on your license. And they look into it because you're a public servant in a way. Yeah. And so I'll do a um, higher standard. Absolutely. I mean, the nursing commission holds you to a really high standard. So like if you don't pay your child support and you're a registered nurse, they can pull your license. I mean, it's, if you get too many parking tickets, they can pull your license. Like, you know, anyway, so cause you're, you there, they have to protect the public against you and your, yeah. weird, and your weird ways. And so I got in huge trouble. They found out about the DUI, all the things, And basically my life came to a head and I, it was like, I realized I had to surrender, like the jigs up, dude, you have been running and running and running from this, um, through relationships, through jobs. I mean, almost careers, right. I'm nursing was my fallback and I didn't even have that anymore. Yeah. So I'm just out of, I'm just out of options. And, um, you know, I'm almost 40 years old, and here I am looking at my life like, "What the fuck, dude?" You know, I'm just a mess. I was broke. I, you know, I newly remarried, and um, and so I finally started picking up some Quitlet and thumbing around. And I knew, as part of this program for nurses, I was going to have to go to meetings. I was going to have to find a meeting. Yeah. I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that was part of the requirement. And so I started reading books and I, I found a book that really hit home. And um, when I was finished, it's called the recovering by Leslie Jameson. Okay. She is a writer writing about writers with substance problems.
0: That is some fucking Charlie Kaufman shit right there.
2: (laughs) She's writing about people like, you know, Hemingway Stephen King. And yes, Hemingway <laughs> yeah. and brilliant minds who really struggled with drinking. And they really struggled with, if I if I give up the drinking, will I lose my creativity? Oh, yeah. And, you know, Leslie Jamison is this that. Ivy League grad and it's all these things. And it just really resonated. It was what I needed to read. I think any other quitlet about mommy wine or bullshit or well, any other quitlet wouldn't have done it for me. But I fancy myself an academic and that, and I fancy myself a creative and I've always fancied myself a writer. And so that book to me was like, okay, if these people can do it, I can do it. And I just closed the book and I said, well, I'm getting on Google and I'm going to find the first AA meeting and I'm going to go because I'm going to fucking get over myself because I've got to do it. But it was really that book. I mean, and that book just really changed things for me.
0: What role does your husband play during this whole time?
2: He's the guy who's begging for me to get sober and, and and sort of taking me back over and over. Eventually he kicked me out because he was like, no, you're, you're nuts. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, we separated for a little while. I mean, it was just all over it, but he was trying, he really wanted me to get sober. You know, he was trying to stick it out with me. He sort of knew I had a drinking problem when we got married. I don't think he knew how bad it was until, you know, it shit went down a few times and he was like, Oh no.
0: Yeah. So when do you, yeah, but what's your, what's your date? What's your, when do you get sober? <laughs> Did it stick two the ten, first time? <laughs> 2,
2: two ten, 18. It absolutely Perfect. stuck the first time. Yep. Uh, February of 2018. Yep. I, um, so four years after I got the DUI,
1: yeah,
2: right. People have these stories of getting a DUI and getting sober. Now, not me. Yeah, I powered through. <laughs>
0: That's right. <laughs> I'm a warrior. Uh, yeah.
2: I <laughs> no, I, I, yeah. So, yeah. So almost five years ago.
0: Can we? I haven't, uh... I, haven't,
2: I haven't. I haven't been a person to relapse and go back and back. You know, once I set out for recovery and, and got into a meeting. I've never looked
0: back. Yeah. I mean, from talking to you, I imagine that was a, that, I mean, that's a common pattern for you. You see something you want and you work incredibly hard to, to achieve it. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. Uh, and, and on that note, if we can segue into what you are doing with modeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and fashion and like what, where did that come from? Cause, and also, I guess I, just to kind of put a bow on this, I am assuming after you do the classes and everything, you get your license back.
2: I got my license back um, within like a few months. So I've been working as an RN this okay. entire time. I still am under surveillance, kind of like probation Yeah, yeah, for five years. Okay. and so, um, that's very common for anybody with a medical credential, yeah, and so it will be up actually um in a few months. it'll be over
0: yeah well, congrats ahead of time so yeah what what where does the where does this fashion photography modeling come into play? <laughs> How does this yeah. end your life?
2: <laughs> I know right well, I've always loved fashion, and I've always been a fashionista and love style and you know love to be the girl about town and I think part of the reason I I bucked at the the thought of getting sober was because I thought I would have to give up dressing up and nightlife and and you know the sequin dresses and the sort yeah. of see and B scene environment and I was afraid that would all go away and I was afraid that I would end up like in sweatpants and like a muumuu, you know, baking cookies on a Friday night. Like all sober
0: people. Yeah, I know. I got it. And (laughs) I ended up that way and
2: it's fine. But um, no, there was a lot of fear and a lot of like ego and pride and, but I've always loved fashion and I've always loved to dress up and love style and thought it was super important that people convey their, themselves through style whatever that is even if they don't really feel like that they have a style that's still a style Um, and i um i i posted something on instagram that caught elise elise bryson's attention who started the silver curator because she happened to see that it was in the same area that her parents live and come to find out we're roughly from the same small town area.
0: Well, that's funny.
2: So this person from Seattle, Elise, messages me and says, I recognize that gas station or whatever, whatever. So we start talking we realize that she's in Seattle. I'm in Olympia, not too far away. And it's kind of cool in the sober world when you meet someone online who's somewhat in your vicinity, right? Because we we often meet people online and they're like, in maryland and you're i've yet
0: to meet someone (laughs) in my vicinity so i will let you know when that happens
2: i was really excited we ended up um she she wanted to talk to me on the phone i thought she wanted to do a sober spotlight on me because i was um i was hosting as i was a member host of sober mom squad meetings which is a meetup group for women um and i was hosting those meetings and You know, just getting really involved. I was involved in the TLC community, which is Laura McCowan's recovery community. And I was out loud sober on Instagram and I was starting to be really out loud sober about it. Yeah. And I was working in mental health. And so anyway, so I thought Elise wanted to do a sober spotlight on me. Turns out we have this conversation. She wants me to contribute to the Sober Curator. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not creative in any way, except for I'm really good at fashion. And she said, well, that's great. That's what I need someone to write that column. I'm like, oh God, okay. So I end up, you know, starting in in the fashion column, which I have no idea how to write. You know, I mean, just because you love a thing doesn't mean you know how to. um, And I start fumbling through writing and I, I really was new to Instagram. And so I was really new to like, content creation and to, I didn't, I couldn't take a selfie to save my life. I mean, I just wasn't (laughs) good at any of that. Yeah, Um, And I started learning all that. And I started working a lot with Elise to build fashion content. She really loves fashion too. And we got to meet in real life because she lives a couple hours away. So I ended up meeting her in Seattle and um, somewhere down the way, someone found me I can't even honestly remember how this whole story came together. Someone found me on Instagram who was a fashion designer who also was involved in mental health advocacy. And she realized I was writing this fashion piece and I was also a mental health RN because when I got, when I was about six months sober, I took a job at a psychiatric inpatient facility and I've been working in mental health ever since. So here I am, a fashionista with a psychiatric nursing background. Kind of a weird mix,
1: right? Yeah, very and, unique. And then I meet this,
2: I meet this fashion designer who's the same as I am. She designs fashion. She lives in New York, and but she's also a big mental health advocate. And she happens to be the creative director putting on a fashion show, all for mental health and for 10,000 beds, which is um, which is an organization which places people inpatient if they need, um, it's for drug and alcohol treatment and it's a scholarship program. So I end up interviewing her for the sober curator, this fashion designer, and I'm so excited and we're, you know, and then she says, well, why don't you interview some of the other designers who are going to be at the show I'm putting together? And I'm like, that's great. So then I get to interview other designers. I interview a photographer and then she's, you know, she's putting together this big show for New York fashion week. And, um, she also is a big sober advocate. Anyway, we become good friends. Long story short, this fashion show is coming up in New York and she doesn't have enough models. And so I tried to pimp Elise out to do it and she wouldn't. So I end up doing it. And so I end up walking in this fashion show in New York Fashion Week for this designer and we all, you know, we become friends. And I write a lot about the show. Um, And after that, I thought, well, this is the way to learn about fashion to get really behind the scenes. Right. Screw this digging around, trying to interview people. (laughs) And um, from there, when I got home from New York, I thought, well, that was fun. That was cool. You know, I got some Getty images and that's a bucket list thing. And I really never thought I would do it again.
1: Yeah.
2: And then like six months later, I saw a casting call for Portland Fashion Week and Seattle Fashion Week near my area and all these other fashion shows. And I thought, God, I never thought about, it never occurred to me to go to a casting call in my local area and get up on stage with my 43-year-old ass and try, you know? But because I had already had New York Fashion Week on the resume, it was like, I could do this. And so I went to Portland Fashion Week casting call. I made Elise go with me. I was so scared. I wore jeans. You don't wear jeans, okay? You just don't (laughs) wear jeans. I wore jeans. And Elise came with me like the good, solid friend that she is. She, She came with me because I was so scared and she was like, you know, she was like my, you know, like the team mom. So we joke that she's my mom manager but she went with me to my very first casting. And there like, you, and, you know, and here's the time where I'm supposed to pose in front of the camera. And she's like, no, go do a pose. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm scared. <laughs> just, I was scared of everything. I was just scared. I didn't, you know, so she went with me to that. And a few weeks later, I got an email from Portland Fashion Week saying you could cast in the show. And I couldn't. I literally could not believe it. I was like, this has got to be a joke. Right. And Elise was so supportive. And from there, I, I just started going to castings and some of them I didn't get right. Some of them, they were like, yeah, not no, but hell no. <laughs> Come back when you're 19 and six. Old.
0: <laughs> Is there a way to go back? in time.
2: <laughs> but a lot of them I got cast in.
0: Yeah.
2: So, a lot a lot and so I i've done it. like eight shows or something and i'm just having so much fun with it i swear i never thought this was gonna be a thing um and elise has literally been with me since the very beginning like just you can do it she was there in new york you know um so it's kind of funny it's all wrapped up in the sober curator it really is yeah. it's all you know um whenever someone sends me an information about a fashion show or they want to do something for a photo, I send it to Elise as my mom manager. to look at the photo. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have a lot of fun with it, but I still think back to that first casting. Call, Portland, which we <laughs> You're supposed to wear like all black.
0: Okay. Like, I was like, what do you wear? Pants. I don't, I don't even know what you would wear. I know.
2: Right. What do you wear? High heels and all black fitted like yoga pants type fitted pants. And a very fitted like tank top, maybe you know it shows your stomach a little, it shows your arms. You Or really, really, really high heels. No, homegirl me shows up in like a grandma tank top and a pair of jeans and like these old lady high heels. (laughs) And I'm like twenty years older than all the other models, right? They're like super young, wearing like these. Teeny tiny clothes and showing, you know. And I'm here wearing mom jeans. I, but anyway, it's all
0: you're great. the future, Kate.
2: <laughs> wow, I love um, it. Yeah, it's been fun. So no, here I am. Um, yeah, and actually, New York Fashion Week's coming back around in February, and the show might happen again this year. So I'll cast for that again, if they have
0: it. Well, I hope it does. And it'll be a nice little five-year celebration for you. Uh, Yes. So that that would be cool. Um, Yeah. Well, I think that brings us current (laughs) on the timeline. Yes. It's Um, been
2: such a wild ride, but so fun. Oh, my God.
0: Where can people find you?
2: I'm on Instagram at Kate Vitella, But, you know, exciting. I am launching a website.
0: Well, it's about damn time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, got, I bought the right to katevitella.com and katevitella.org. And I'm going to make it a home for all my modeling pictures because now they're stacking up. <laughs> I've been to so many shows. That's good. And, um, yeah, I've been doing so much modeling. And well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. Okay.
0: Yeah, Kate. Okay, it was so good talking to you.
2: Yeah, thank you. Take care. You and I have lots in
1: common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my
0: friend? All right. You just listened to my friend, Kate Vitella. You going to go check her out? You think her website's done? I don't know, but I think you will because you're going to go there and see. I love it. Uh, Kate had such a fun story and... I I think I'm really pushing people about their position in their family like middle especially middle child. Maybe it's cuz my wife is a middle child and I'm just like I'm going to project everything I know about her onto you. Um but I I'm glad she entertained my questions and and talked about everything that happened, you know, from losing her stepdad to getting married and divorced and DUI and getting sober and I didn't I had no idea about the licensing thing like you think about all the stuff that happens if you get a DUI right but I didn't know that you can lose your license as a as a professional I was like oh my god is that true for therapists like I don't drink anymore but I would like to know if that's a possibility for people in that field that's crazy I really didn't I had no idea did you guys know that let me know let me know in the comments below Let's smash that subscribe button buddy you know all right i'm feeling zany uh, i'm excited this month is going to be spectacular and i have so many interviews lined up you guys so many interviews lined up it's it's crazy i'm recorded through through march so i have i only have a handful of interviews before i'm done recording for this season which is freaking nuts It just, the year just started. I mean, you won't hear him for a while, but hey, (laughs) either way, Um, head over to justinlammusic.com if you haven't been there in a while. There's some random stuff there. I keep a blog occasionally, and by occasionally, I mean I post once every couple weeks or once every couple months, but it's profound. Probably not. Um, But you can also find out about other stuff and some stuff with the podcast, sobriety. I don't know. No no nudes, all right? For the nudes, you got to go to my OnlyFans. But you can, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. All right. I love you. Bye-bye.